Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, the season didn't quite work out the way we were planning it in terms of what we were talking about last week with the league and all the rest of it, but we have got a massive game coming up on Saturday and we have a good friend of our podcast, Darren Doherty, on with us uh, from the Heathen Choir who is going to be, we're going to be talking a little bit later about um, the obviously event we're putting on a little bit later in the year, but obviously predominantly to talk about this Liverpool game and this game on Saturday. How are you getting on, Dadden? I'm not too bad, Danny. Thanks a million for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. We love having you on, Dadden. We've obviously had you on loads of times and we always love being able to have you. Um, now, Dadden, obviously we're going to get talking about a few different things. We know you've got uh, a song that's just been released today, uh, which we're going to be playing uh, during the halfway point of our show, which is really, really exciting. And I want you to tell me a little bit about that in a few minutes. But how did you find the weekend and that last game of the season? My voice has only just come back. So how did you find it? <laughs> Um, it's complex, isn't it? Um, I went to to Dicey's, you know, I'm from a spar now and watched it there. And, um, I can honestly put my hand on my heart and say it's the most hectic, sick, intense I've felt during a football match in years and years. Uh, we had the two games on, and um, I was right beside them both. and you know, saw everything happen. Uh, just to summarize quickly where I stand on the whole thing is that for that period of time in the game when they were 2-0 down and we were drawn, I was so sick at the prospect of us wrecking it. And not <laughs> like, I mean, I, I couldn't even cope with it. Uh, that when they eventually scored the three goals so quickly like that, I was sick, but not anywhere near as sick as I would have been. You know, so in some ways it was like a lesser of two evils. And I just went back to feeling kind of how I felt before the match, which was, oh, well, what do yeah. you do? Because you know? that's what I was going to ask you is, do you, did you honestly, did you go into that game thinking that there was a chance? We discussed it last week and I said that, my my head was telling me that Liverpool weren't going to do it, not because we weren't good enough, but it just because feel that City wasn't going to get beat. Do you think that the devastation comes in the fact of how the other game panned out, as opposed to the fact that the of we the way we played and everything else? I'm I'm with you. Before the match, I, I there's no world in which I seen City losing that match. Hmm. It just we played we played Villa a couple of weeks ago. And they're not great, you know, let's be honest, you know, like, uh, and so, but it's football. So there's always that chance, mm. you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's, it's why we love it so much. Cause there's always a chance there's a football match to be played. 
who knows? And yeah, there was a period of time when it looked like it was possible, but I don't know. I don't know about you, but I haven't sat and dreamt about four trophies ever in my life. Like, you know, like it, it's a new concept. I didn't, I've never dreamt about one in four trophies. So like, it, I don't know. I'm a bit of a realist when it comes to this. Like I've never really seen it happening. Of course, I flirted with the idea for 10, 15 minutes during the match. But even then, I don't think I could properly believe. <laughs> to be yeah. honest, you know, I, just, I couldn't. No, I'm the, I'm the same as you, but Ammo isn't the same as you. And I've always been dreaming of four trophies for about eight months, <laughs> saying to myself we were going to win it. Uh-huh. Surely, surely the way you thought about it, Ammo, must have been like the way the game was panning out. The fact that 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 sort of the script felt like it was being written for Liverpool to be to just sort of win it on that last day. And and then for me, the more devastating thing was the fact that normally when you think of all the great Liverpool comebacks, the Barcelona, the Dortmund, all these different ones, it always talks about how. The fans have riled up the team to have this great comeback. That's two amazing comebacks we've seen at City's ground now. And the fans, like half of them are tourists, half of them are businessmen, and there's about 70 actual fans in the stadium. Like, how how much more of a killer is that for actual football as a whole? <laughs> well, I mean, talking about Man City is one thing, isn't it? I mean, the trophy fade was ridiculous. I think um, to, to, to quote um, or to, to use uh, Dadden's example of Dicey Rallies, I think if um, there was a, a trophy raid in Strabane, there'd be more people turning up than there, there would be at Manchester City's trophy raid. And um, oh, personally, I was watching at the house. I just want to set the scene for people that aren't from Strabane um, of Dicey Rallies. It's the smallest pub probably ever. It's the dingiest we pub, but we always say it's our, our dingy, you know, it's our, it's our pub. And what they have, they have a couple of big TVs, but they have a couple of side TVs. So for argument's sake, if Liverpool are playing and Manchester United playing at the same time, they'll always put the Manchester United game on like the smaller TV. Yeah. So I, I can't, me and Darren would know each other from Dicey's and that's kind of ultimately how we know each other. It's, it's a weird kind of bar, everyone knows where they're going to sit. And I kind of know where Darren... I know right away where Darren was probably sitting. And I kind of know what TVs and the angles. And it's just a mad kind of spectacle. What mad bar seeing both games at the same time. And like the slagging back and forth and the, the usual characters. And it, it's some atmosphere. And I can only say that if it was there, which it wasn't. If it was there, it would have been heartbreaking stuff at the end. Because there'd be three or four United fans that have all of a sudden turned into City fans. And it would have been... Um, Let's say there would have been a lot of slagging after a couple of drinks come that come that time on a Sunday evening. Myself, Danny, I was sitting at the house and I had my phone in aeroplane mode. I don't know about you boys, and let me know if you agree with this. It's weird over here in, in, in Ireland, basically, whenever you're watching the match, sometimes friends from England can text you, and they seem to be about 15 seconds ahead. Yeah. So I always put, when I'm watching the match at the house, I always put my phone in aeroplane mode because I can't stand it when someone texts me. Well, like, it's normally you, Danny, or whatever, <laughs> texts me whenever like there's a goal going, and you're like, no, I'm about to watch this. So I had my phone in airplane mode, but see every single time like a, a score notification comes to the bottom of the screen, my heart was like that, because I, I just knew, oh, that, it's only Leeds scored, oh, it's, it's only Arsenal scored. You know, every time I come up, my heart was like, and when they said big, big news, I thought, nah, when the Coutinho goal went in, that's when I started to go full on ammo. <laughs> Anyone listening to this podcast knows what I'm like. And I had my two-year-old with me and I was diving around the living room and, oh, man, I was pacing up and down. I was jumping around. It was 
But ah, Danny, you mentioned about City there. I don't know what to say. For me to score three goals in, in, in six minutes, that was their Istanbul moment, wasn't it? You'd seen Pep Guardiola, he was really feared. And we always knew that Liverpool were going to finish the job because it's Anfield, it's Wolves, had nothing to play for, really. Liverpool were always going to finish the job. I don't even know what your question was, but what, what a day. <laughs> what a day it was. And um, the only thing I can say was when I was watching it, I thought to myself, if Liverpool win, they never do it the easy way. So it's written in the stars that we are going to win. Because it wouldn't be like Liverpool to win by 10 clear points, would it? It would always be last minute. Mm. And um, as, as Darren said, you're feeling sick. That, that feeling of feeling sick in your stomach. If you're a true Liverpool fan, you know that feeling. And it's a feeling that you kind of have to live with. It's a feeling that like we're all going to have come Saturday. And it's a feeling that... I, I'm thinking about it now, I'm laughing because I haven't got it. But when you have that feeling, it's like... Darren, tell me, it's horrible, isn't it? It's horrible. Well, well, at half time, I went under the toilets and there was two or three other guys at the same time. And nobody could talk, <laughs> I swear. And, and somebody let out a, a weak chuckle going, uh, <laughs> did the business, went straight back out again. It was uh, it was so weird. Like, uh, it's such, you, you make a good account there of what that feeling's like. It was, but isn't it good to feel alive? You know, it's... It's, it's good, but it's bad. It, it, Danny, I mean, you know the feeling. We're just like, when you're sitting there and you're thinking, right, Villa are 2 0 up here. Liverpool 1-1 at home against Wolves, we've got nothing to play for. We just brought Mohamed Salah off the bench. You're sitting there thinking, now or never, like. And then, yeah, like yeah. I would be, I, as I said, I'm like that and I'm a realist. But I knew Liverpool were going to do the job. It's a nightmare that it doesn't happen the way you want it to. People always say like, oh, well, oh, if Liverpool had scored earlier, they put extra pressure on City and all the rest of it. I don't think it was, I don't think the players really knew too much of what was going on. Um but it's just, it's as you said, it's nice to have those moments to come from. We were doing a podcast at Christmas there and talking about how we need to be focusing on the cup competitions because Liverpool were 14 points out of it at that point. To make our way back, to end up in the position that we were in, yes, as I said, I didn't think City were going to end the season with nothing. But to have that moment, as I said, the week before I was on this podcast saying, ah, no, I can't see it, I can't see it happening. Sunday afternoon, I was screaming in my in my living room, was just like, if we score, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. My wife was like, shut up, we yeah, we stopped talking on that. And I just screeching my lungs <laughs> out in my living room with the kids and all. Because um, it was just, it was magic, wasn't it? And it, it was great, it was great, as you said, to have that moment, a moment that that we have probably never thought of it, with it being a certain generation of Liverpool fans. We, we've never had that thing of thinking of potentially winning a quadruple. It's like it's never been it's never been on our radars until this year. The I thought the manager, as always, found the right words um, to say afterwards, which was, "If you want to win big, you have to be prepared to lose big," mm. and it's. Just the truth. At the end of the day, uh, you know, w- would you swap this for fighting for sixth and seventh, like we were, you know, six seven years ago? You know, we, we no, it's, nobody it's, would. It's mad, isn't it, uh, Dan? Because you, you mentioned like six or seven, seven years ago, that was our reality, and mm-hmm. um, it can very quickly change in football, can't it? This year we're fighting for quadruple. Last year we were fighting for fourth. Mm. Do you know? And that's that's the reality. That's the actual reality of the football club right now. But you know, at the, what I will say, Jurgen Klopp got man of the year, and he hasn't even f- 
finished the last game of the season. Yeah, that just goes to show what a season Liverpool have had. And I think on reflection, and we're not quite at the end of the season yet because we've got we've got big years to fight for. But on reflection, I think the fact that Liverpool City Council have announced that there's going to be a trophy parade, no matter what, you know, says that this season's been spectacular. Isn't that right? You know. Yeah, and and you know what? It kind of brings us on to our next point. Is that there's there's been an announcement that there's going to be a trophy parade uh, next Sunday, day after the Champions League final. We are about to play a massive match against a team that we got tanked by last time we played them in the Champions League final, with the potential that we could lose that game and then have to do a trophy parade afterwards. I'm not sure how I'd feel as a football fan, but how do you see Saturday going, Dan? Because I think we're arguably going into this game as favourites, which is a massive leap from last time we played Real Madrid. Um, Real Madrid obviously have had a good run to the final, beat City in like amazing, like sort of almost a City esque uh, display of scoring goals in the very last minute and taking it to extra time and all. Um, how do you see Saturday going? Well, I think it's been said by we're favourites. You know, slight favourites they would say for going on, and that's based on the last couple of years and 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 the consistency of the football team and the superstars that we have in almost every position and the manager and the experience of being this being the third Champions League final for this team, you know. But they have all that too, and uh, after the Tottenham final. You know, you've seen how mature our team was and how they knew how to get the job done, how it was about nice and it was about know-how and keeping your cool. And I think that's what they call, you know, learning how to win finals and learning how to manage the big moments. So I think it's very tight. I think it's, I think it could, it could come down to a single thing come uh, a decision or a moment of brilliance or penalties again, um, which sounds like stomach nightmares. <laughs> to be honest, do you know but, what's funny though? Do you know what's funny the mm-hmm. way that people are criticising us for winning two cup finals on penalties? People are actually still criticising us. I oh, haven't actually won the games, but like you've got to have won how many games just to get to the cup final? So, Darren, wouldn't you take if someone said to you now you're going to go down to pens and they're going to win? You bite, you bite their arm off, wouldn't you? Come here, let's be honest, Ammo. What that is, because I've got it too from my Manchester United supporting friends as well. Okay. So let's have it, let's have it the way it is, right? All year they have suffered embarrassments none of us have ever even envisaged. Embarrassments that will live long after we are gone. Embarrassments that will go down in history. And they got the one wee moment to p- put their head above the parapet and go. Oh, we used to have them on the treble. You won two Mickey Mouse Cups on penalties. I read lads. Do you know what I mean? It's it, didn't they win the European Cup on penalties? Yeah. Yeah. Let them have their couple <laughs> of days and then they can go back down again. Oh goodness. <laughs> back buddy. to the cage. Back to the cage. Uh, You're right. <laughs> but it's just it's gonna be such an amazing game on Saturday. I think, as you said, it's it's very much on a knife edge as to what's gonna happen in this game. Do you think the fact that we might be without Thiago in this final might be a deciding factor in this? 
because our midfield, I think we can probably say quite honestly, it probably didn't. It wasn't at its strongest against Wolves there in that last game of the season once Thiago went off. Do you think that's going to be a decisive factor with them having the likes of Luka Modric and Tony Cruz and, and boys like that in their midfield? Or do you think we've got enough in the squad to be able to deal with Thiago and not be in there? I think we've got enough. Um, I, I think it's it's different when you set out to play a game without him. As in, if we know who we have, then the plan will will be the right plan for the players that we have. Um, he's been outstanding this year. I was over in December at the Newcastle home game, and it was he was the main reason that I wanted to go. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, I can't wait. Also, Salah was on the form of his life at that time, like you know what I mean. Yeah. But to see Thiago play was really what I wanted to see the most. And I feel blessed that I did, to be honest. Um, it's a joy. I don't know. I, I, it was, I suppose, even at the weekend during the Wolves game, he was kind of decisive before he went off, like you know. So, would we be better with him? Absolutely. But do I think we him not being there means we lose? Not necessarily. Mm. Yeah, good, good, good point. And he, he has had a fantastic season. Danny, we've Chris. I wouldn't say we criticised him. What I would say was that we were we were sitting there, weren't we, Danny? You know, a couple of months ago, you know, go saying, "Well, the jury's not quite out yet." And I think in the last three or four months, he's just gone from maybe, oh, he's injury prone and he's another Oxley Chamberlain to like, wow, there's a reason why we bought this player. And he can just, he does that little move, doesn't he? Where he kind of cuts inside, rolls it, and then he'll do a ball that you, not even you can see and you're watching the whole pitch. And it's normally pinpoint, isn't it? It's just, he's a magician on the ball, isn't he? Yeah, and I think that's why we worry about whether him not being there is going to be a bit of a decisive factor because, as you said, when he went off at half-time, I think we found it that little bit more difficult to break down Wolves' back line. Um, Real Madrid, obviously, are solid. So to be able to beat them without someone that's going to be able to unlock the door like that might be a little bit difficult. But do you think that we need to have Fabinho back in that last game, sitting in that midfield to give us that real fighting chance? Because we know Henderson, we know Kaita and all that. We know that the ability that they've all got. But do we need someone solid, like either a, a Thiago going up or a Fabinho sitting back in order to really have that fighting chance, do you think? I would be hesitant to say absolutely yes. Now, our best midfield, by most people's estimation, is Fabinho, Thiago, and Henderson. Okay, that's most people's... That's mine, in a way, okay? In saying that, whenever Jordan plays a six in certain games... I think he actually brings something else to that position and that there's plenty of examples throughout the season when Fabinho's been rested or maybe when he's had the niggle and whatnot, when he does go into play there, when we play very well. And he's also got a wealth of experience being there. Also, I, going back to the Tottenham final as well, we mightn't be all out attack in this game. That mightn't be what the approach is. It might be a cagey thing that, where it's more about, you know, territory and trying to get Diaz and Salah and on one-on-ones and things like that. Like, you know, but 
they've got a very strong midfield. There's no doubt about it. I was surprised the last time they put us out of the European Cup, was it two seasons ago? Um, or last season, sorry. Um, like our energetic midfield just kind of got passed around. You know, uh, Tony Kroos and Modric kind of just picked passes around them. Mm. And uh, But hopefully the one thing you could say about the team and the manager is that they learn and they never, they very rarely ever make the same mistake twice. So going back into this game, I really hope Fabinho's fit. I really, really hope. And he was training today. Uh, so mm. that's a great sign. Uh, give me give me one of him or Thiago, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I am with you on that. Now, obviously, I, I hope that you'll enjoy it, Dad, and we're all going to be messaging each other and buzzing, and I'm sure you will all be raving, sitting in Dicey Riley's, which how they're not sponsoring us for the amount of free advertisement <laughs> they get on this podcast is unreal. <laughs> Because yeah, we literally talk about them every single week. We must throw away, we must <laughs> throw away <laughs> them a hem or something, Dan. <laughs> Absolutely. Not a baller. <laughs> I'm pretty certain that a tourist all over the world that comes to Dicey Rallies just because they hear it on this podcast. But like, I know that you'll enjoy it. But outside of the Champions League and the hype of that, which we're going to talk about more in the second half of the pod, um, you are obviously a musician, Dan. You've had a, a new song come out today and you're going to be playing for us in our upcoming event that we've got coming up in October where we're bringing uh, Neil Mellor and Chris Kirkland over. Um, so tell us a little bit about the new song. Tell us about what it's all about um, and how people can get hold of it as well. Cool. Uh, thanks, Danny. Um, yeah, it's a new song with my band, The Heathen Choir. Uh, it's just out today. It's called The Raging Song. And as you remarked before the show, raging is a, a colloquial term for this part of the world uh, for, you know, angry, being angry. You're raging. Uh, and the song is like a really upbeat, uh, uplifting, anthemic uh, rock song, alternative rock song. And in, in the micro, it's about how um, having control of your of your emotions and your anger uh, is the way is the way to, to to being able to enjoy your life and and then to be able to contribute positively rather than losing your head. And in the macro, on the bigger sense, I actually I, I put it against the backdrop of of Northern Ireland and about how as a result of stopping fighting, as a result of controlling our emotions and controlling our anger, we've managed to have 20 years of peace. And uh, and I think that's something that's worth shouting about and worth being proud about, you know. So, um, yeah, that's a song. Uh, just brand new out today. It's on all streaming platforms, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, Amazon, anywhere you want it, you can find it. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the event in October. It's in uh, our local theatre, The Alley, here. And at that, I'll be playing uh, some of my original music, which is pretty well known around these parts. I've, I'm, I'm very lucky to have quite a few uh, fans and followers from home, you know. Mm. Um, they've been very supportive of me and my music since we're, since we're go. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. There's even some... United fans that still support me regardless, you know, some of my biggest fans, you know, uh, so well, I, I must be all right. <laughs> what, I, what I have to say is um, 
obviously when I was kind of planning this event along with Danny and we, we, we chose to bring it to Saban, there was a lot of unique reasons that we did that. Um, but when we did, I, I, I spoke to quite a few of our local kind of Liverpool fans, regulars, and asked them, you know, what, what would you like? What would you want to see? And everyone said, we want to see someone local up there singing. You know, we, 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 we flirted with the possibility of getting people in and stuff like that. But we thought, you know what? And literally people name dropped you. And like, it's funny because I, I, I said to people, you know, what, what do you think? And they named off you and said to get you. And I'd already approached you before that. And we, this has been in the pipeline for a long time, you know, was us, us three know that. But um, no, I'll be an honour and privilege to have you. You'll be in some of the Liverpool songs, some of your own stuff. And I'll be an event for, you know, everyone. So as I say, we, we've kept up, up front until now, you know, quiet that you are a special guest. But I can announce you, as we say, uh, Darren of the Haven Choir will be our special guest. Um, on the 21st of October, the Alley Theatre. So, buzzing to have you, buddy. And um, it's sure to be a night not to be missed. Mm. It's going to be really good. I'm looking forward to it. Is it right to say, Dan, that this new song that you've got, especially, is maybe a little bit different to some of your other songs? I got your last album. Um, and I know that obviously you've got a nice mix, like sort of an eclectic mix. A lot of your stuff would almost be like quite. I don't want to say acoustic rock, but a lot of it would be quite sort of... It's, it's very storytelling, a lot of what you have, and I suppose that fits an acoustic style, But and I know you said this one is a lot more joyful, and um, we're going to play it in a few minutes. Um, but would you say that there's a little bit of a difference in this song to your, to your last album? Yes, I would. I w- in, in the way that... I was actually talking about some of this on social media this morning. Um, I've been in bands for a long time now, and before I started this project, um, my bands were big rock bands, you know, like uh, big rock bands that had big loud guitars, you know, synths, anthemic songs. That's always been kind of my fare. Mm. Um, whereas when I started the Heathen Choir, it, it was a solo project and it was kind of me getting back to basics. And that's where I, you know, put out an album where I made myself at home, which is primarily acoustic songs with some bits and pieces. And in a way, that was me kind of finding my way. And now I've got back to the place where I can properly express myself in the form of a full-on rock band again. And that's what this song is the start of. It's the first of three singles this year. And uh, so there'll be a two more coming up. But yeah, you'll be right in pointing that out. It's uh, a full-on rock song, you know? Yeah, that's good. Like, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. And your set as i said i got your album last time and i enjoyed the music that you've got and um, i wouldn't be a big rock fan i'll be honest with you but i really liked the storytelling mode of which you portray your music which is really really good and i know that obviously on the ninth, especially of um the event that we're putting on it's going to be amazing to be able to have your music as well as the liverpool music and we said earlier in the pod that we are fans of a certain generation um so what do you think it's going to mean? Because obviously a lot of the boys that, that maybe you spend time with in Dicey Rileys and stuff, they're all our generation. So to have two footballers that are from our generation, ex-Liverpool players coming to Straban, what, what do you think that's going to mean for the city as a whole? Like? The city? <laughs> the, the town, Danny, the town. <laughs> let's, be, let's pick um, it up, boys. Just keep talking about absolutely. it all the time. If you, if you like, like, you've got to be like Derry. You've got to call yourself something big, don't you? Sir, Sir uh, wouldn't want the city status from the Queen, would he? That's <laughs> <laughs> a very good point. That is a good point. Um, it'll be, it's going to be class. And, and it will mean a lot, as you say, 
people from our generation because part of the reason that we're we're loving every second of this current football team is because we suffered and uh, we suffered the nearlies and the not quites. In hindsight, we still have plenty of good times too. But I think there's character is kind of built from the tough times and the camaraderie is built from the tough times and talking about Neil Mellor's goal on the way to Istanbul and uh, you know things well, like he scored just before Gerard. He literally yeah. he set Gerard up and he scored the goal before Gerard and he was he wasn't even in the squad for the final. You know, and it, it's story like that, that it, well <laughs> you know, he was injured, wasn't he? He was injured, so that's the thing. So I think it was Chris Kirkland they get they were both injured, so they both didn't get to the final squad no say squad. So that's where they've got stories to tell and it must break the hearts, but it'll be interesting definitely. So Honestly, it's the first time I think anything like this has happened in Straban. Um, I remember 2014, I was in Belfast and attended an event with Robbie Fowler, Steve McManaman and uh, Jason McAteer. Yep. And um, which was top, first time I was ever anything like that as well. And it was absolutely brilliant. Like, you know, so I'll be... I've already been telling the guys that this is a not miss uh, event that you got to be at. You know, it's you know fulfilling the dreams of the of younger versions of ourselves. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> part of the reason we still love football is so we can still be big kids. So like you know, uh, a night of reliving old times, celebrating the current side, and just celebrating being a, a Liverpool and football fan. I think you know. Yeah. It's going to be good, and as I said, we've tried to offer as much as we can for for what you're going to get in terms of being able to actually meet the players afterwards, get pictures and different things like that. So there's a lot on offer, and as I said, we're really looking forward to you being able to come and being able to entertain us with your music as well as the the Liverpool songs that we're going to play. Uh, but we appreciate it, Dan. We're actually going to finish this half of the podcast by playing your song uh, that's just come out. And we do thank you that we can play it. Uh, the Raging Song by the Heathen Choir. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Dan. Really, really appreciate you being here, bud. And I hope that you really enjoy Saturday. Uh, and it turns out a little bit better than last time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thanks for coming Thanks on, Thanks for having me on, as always, guys. Love it. Legend, Legend, Dan. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Now, here to play us out, as I said, is the Raging Song by the Heathen Choir. And thank you all for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. We're on a mission to not get thrown out. Not that you'd know it, the swearing is awful. We're not so 
this whole country We wouldn't do that to our home Join the team at sport-social.co.uk Welcome back to the second part of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well, that was a great way to end the first part of Pog there with the Haven Choir and the Raging Song with uh, Dan Doherty. we now got another friend of the podcast. Um, we've got the late, great Ronnie Moran's son, Paul Moran. Now, he's been on a couple of times. He always gets good, um, good feedback. So it's our honour and privilege to have him again. So, Paul, buddy, how's it going? Not too bad, thanks. Doing okay. Um, and, I mean, since we last spoke, I think we spoke a big in the season and we didn't even want to think about the chances of a a, a quadruple, never mind, or treble or anything. But Liverpool Football Club are still on for the treble and we've got cha- the Champions League final this Saturday in Paris against our old enemies, Real Madrid. So, first of all, I have to ask Paul, what are your first initial thoughts on the game? And, you know, do you, do you see Liverpool's favourites? We're having this debate. Are Liverpool favourites or do you not? I think it depends which country you're in. Uh, I think if you're in England, we're favourites. If you're in Spain, we're Madrid are favourites. And uh, as Pep Guardiola said, we're favourites all over Britain. So uh, we should be all right. We're everyone's second favourite team. But you don't get that impression when you travel around the country, certainly. Like if you, you know, bump into many people who say, I really like watching Liverpool. Liverpool do well if my team don't do well. So I don't know where Pep's got that one from, but. I'd say it was a tough day to take on Sunday. Mm. Uh, there was two discussions about Sunday, actually. There was the one when they were 2-0 down. I said at the end of the game to my son, I said, I was glad we never scored when they were 2-0 down to take the lead because the place would have gone absolutely ballistic. And then what happened would have happened. But as someone else said, if we'd have gone 2-1 up, it would have put more pressure on City, who were 2-0 down at the time. But you can go around in circles doing stuff like this. It's like people going on, you know, the draw with Brighton cost us the league or the draw with Tottenham. And then you say, well, if they had the draw with West Ham, we wouldn't have been in that position on Sunday. So you just literally go round in circles. It's over a 38-game season and they got one more point than us, so there's not much we can do about it now. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and we were just chatting in the first part of the podcast and we were saying as Liverpool fans, that feeling of being sick when you're watching the game and that's the way we described it when you see Villa go 2-0 up and Liverpool be 1-1 and the feeling that we might win, that feeling, that sickness in your stomach, we were saying that as Liverpool fans, you can't have to get used to it, don't you? If that makes well, any kind of sense to you. Do you mean the, the, the feeling that we weren't, we were drawing when we should have been winning type of thing? Like, yeah, just a Liverpool never do it the easy way. We never do it the easy way, do we? It's never no, like... No. <laughs> it's, you know, it, no, it's, as we as we son said from uh, Wolves' goal, I managed to swear about eight times during the build up to the goal from the point when Canate went underneath the ball to actually going in the net. I was just sitting there. I wouldn't see what I was saying, but I was at holds. Yeah, but oh, and only just scored. And I just looked at him and he went, "You knew that was going to happen, then, didn't you?" As soon as Canate missed it, I knew we were in trouble. But then um, you know we got the equaliser back, and then unfortunately by the time. Salah got the goal to make it 2-1. It was uh, too late mm. for what City were doing then. So, it was one of them things. Yeah, and the final itself now, so the Champions League final round, we did in Paris. Hopefully, Thiago's fit. Hopefully, looks like Van Dijk and Mo Salah are, are back in after um, coming off in the cup final there. So, how do you see the game going? Where do you think it'll be won and lost for? Well, I think, uh, you say about the injuries there, I think Salah and Van Dijk are certainties to play. I don't think there's any question they'll play. You know, the same Van Dyke didn't play on Sunday. He was out at half time, smashing the ball around the pitch mm. and running around. So, you know, it, it's not. And he, he, even at Wembley against uh, Chelsea after the penalty shootout, he was messing around in the dressing room then yeah. after the game he actually come off in. So, you know, he's hardly, I know he'd won the cup type of thing, but he was messing around as well. So, yeah. Salad, don't think, was a problem. He come on and played anyway. I think Fabinho will be fit to play. Uh, I don't think Thiago will be, although the latest reports here from about an hour ago was he is having physio and there's a possibility he might be all right. Because he was saying it was his hamstring on Saturday, but it's not. It's something to do with his Achilles. Mm. Now, right. whether, you, whether you risk him with the four subs now and you can sort of take a bit more of a chance in playing from the start, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll know whether he's capable of playing an hour on. I'd, I'd love him to play against them. I yeah. think he'd flourish against Real Madrid the way they play. I think he'd flourish against them. I think he'd give us a lot of attacking options. I, I think, again, it's easy to say. I think we uh, I think we'll win on Saturday. I didn't Did think really? beat, I didn't think we beat them in Kiev. Yeah. I didn't think we had a strong enough eleven, but this time I think we have. And do you think we I mean it's it's easy to say this, isn't it? But obviously their obvious threats are, you know, Benzema and Vinicius, aren't they? They're the two people that you can kind of point out. Yeah, well, you could say that depending whether it's Matip or Canate at the back with Van Dijk, uh, the two centre-backs have been like our strongest players this season as well. Everything, everything's built up from there. Everything's come from that. From the security at the back. I know people say the high line and all the offsides. And that. It was that game the other week when uh, he said Burnley had six chances. Five of them were actually flagged offside. And the same Burnley have had six chances. Well, he didn't. They had one. Yeah, and yeah. it's the way they play. They've got it expertly done. If you look at the number of offsides we caught teams this season, we're miles ahead of anyone else catching people offside. Although it gets caught out now and again, and that's the risk you take. Of you know, if obviously if Real Madrid catches out, then you're not going to be very happy. Oh. But you would hope he wouldn't. Vinicius um, has got pace, hasn't he? And then yeah, you've got the likes of Modric and centre midfield. Do you see a scenario where? Realm did dominate the game, or just think Liverpool dominate the game? I see a scenario where it'll be a stalemate and it'll be settled by one or two moments of brilliance. Hmm. That's crazy. That's just what our previous guest Dadness just said exactly. Oh, it? It? Oh, that, yeah, that, he that, said the exact same thing. Yeah, it's going to be stalemate. Think, and 
yeah. I look at one nil again. I think it'll be one nil. Right, we'll win, but I think we'll win 1-0. Let's ask a horrible question here. And it's, it's a question that we can't seem to answer, so let's hope you can. Paul, who'd you start up front? If the three of them are fit, I would, I, I'd, I'd, do, I'd go to the, the, the original three. For me, you know, Salon and uh, Manny. I'd go for them three. And you'd keep you keep Diaz and Jot on the bench? Diaz and Jot on the bench, yeah, to say, you know, if we're one up, then you can bring Diaz on and Jota to stretch them because they're you know, they're faster. Possibly, you know, obviously, for me, you know, certainly, but the other two are fast enough. You, you can bring them two on later on when it gets a bit stretched. Hmm. But what would you do, Danny? Would you do the who? Who do you start up front on Saturday? I think Paul's kind of hit the nail there. It's it's hard to to say, isn't it? I think if if they're all fighting, they're all fit. Like I personally would probably go Salamane Diaz, um, but I think. I think it's probably the bigger question that we've got such a solid team, which is something that we weren't able to say in the last final against Real Madrid, that we had, we've had we got such a strong squad that, that we're able to have this debate, which is, which is only a good thing for, for going into a final to know that you've got potentially five different strikers who can all do a great job in, in any of those three positions. Um, so it's just... It's going to be interesting, but what what would you say, Paul? You've seen a lot of the games this season. I think one of the debates that me and Amo have continuously had is that for me, Matty needs to start over Canate in the final. For me, Canate looks like he's got a mistake in him. I think he showed that at the weekend. Um, would you feel more secure in Matty, or or what? Do, what do you think in regards to that situation as well? I think it's a very it's a fifty fifty thing between the two, and I think Canate is better in the air than Matty. Mm. But Matip reads the game better than Canate, so the, the, you need you need Van Dyke with one of them too. I'm personally not that bothered which one of the two plays. I don't think it makes a great deal of difference as long as Van Dyke's with one of the other two. Mm. It's the same as the up front. I think you've got to have Man- Mane and Salah, and then one of the other three. Now, whether he picks Bobby to sign because it, it's that if he plays against Real Madrid, you know, he, I mean, he come on on Saturday on Sunday against Wolves and appeared to not know we were in red. Because his first five or six passes were just literally passed to a Wolves player. We're not even him having to stretch to get them or, you know, to reach the ball. Yeah. Yeah. But then he, he he comes on and does magic. You know, it's, it's one of them things. You can, you, can, you can literally go around in circles. And of course, once the team's named on Saturday night at seven or whatever time it is, there'll be all people on Twitter saying, well, he should have done this, he should have done that. You just got to leave them to it. Mm-hmm. We just lost the league by a point with, or did we have 91 or 92 points, whatever that we had. We've won the FA Cup. We've won the League Cup, as we I still call it. Yeah. And we're in the final of the European Cup, if you like. Yeah. Champions League. He, he, how can you criticise them? Yeah, you're right. There's people, you, there's you people at the match on Saturday having a go. On Sunday, I keep saying Saturday on Sunday, having a go uh, about us being 1-1. And then when we were 2-1 up, and obviously City were already 3-2 up by then, you say, oh, you've blown your chance. You've done how, how have we blown our chance when City are winning? How can we control that? But, I think it's oh. uh, out. It's one of them things, isn't it? Like you, you, you don't want to just sit there and say, oh, "Whatever everything Jurgen Klopp does is brilliant," but you would say, on the law of averages, from what he does do, he gets ninety-five percent of it right. Hmm. You know, and he's he got managed a year there as well, that, that, and that's without even the, the European Cup final being decided. So yeah. we are having that, that good of a season. And tell me, tell me this, which is again, it's one of these questions where you can go. Around in circles, right? But you know, you say it's going to be. You think it's going to be a stalemate between Liverpool and Real Madrid in the start of play. 
I'm going to put this fight forward for Matip. Do you think the way Matip, and we all know what he does, he has that run forward, doesn't he? That yeah. kind of, he'll dribble past two if he plays like that. I, know when it, I don't understand why other teams haven't clicked onto it, but people still don't understand it. Do you think something like a stupid Matip run could be the difference? Well, you know, this, you know, you say the moments are brilliant, so I, I would put that into the... And if you got the other... You, you, it doesn't really matter. It, it sounds stupid to say it, like when you're coming into a Champions League final. I, I'm not bothered who plays on Saturday. You've got the ones who can't play. Matip going on his mad runs from the back. You know, you obviously got the cover on for him when he does that. I think Anderson's a certainty to start the match. Yeah. I think Fabinho will start. Now, it depends who the other one is he puts in midfield, and whether it's Naby, who... He's, he's you know... He's been hit and miss, he's, hasn't he? Well, he's like, he's, like, popular with the fans, but it's sort of like he's, he's popular in one of them ways where everyone wants him to do well, hmm. and he doesn't do as well as you want him to do, if I can put it like that. Yeah. He's, he's not an unpopular player. He doesn't get much stick during the game. But a lot of the time, he doesn't seem to be creating what you think he can do and what he does occasionally do. There's someone pointed out on Saturday, on Saturday, say Saturday again. <laughs> we're going to turn the off button. We'll just switch it off. He, he, he doesn't seem to be able to play the ball more than like 25, 30 yards. You know, like Thiago can zoom it from one side to pitch the other. Fabinho can, Van Dijk can. Cater doesn't seem to be able to hit the ball a long distance. I know it sounds stupid, but when he said it, I watched the match again from Sunday, and he said he's always playing little five, ten-yard passes, and he Mm. runs a lot with it. He runs more than anyone else with the ball. But again, that might be the thing that he's the one. If he plays on Saturday, he could just create that little thing with one of them runs. And no doubt, no doubt, someone's son from 50 years ago is on a Spanish podcast now saying that Modric could do it or, you know, Valverde could do it. If that's, is it Valverde? It was Valverde, isn't it? Yeah. He could do it type of thing. It's one of them situations here now where I think we'll win. Liverpool fans think we'll win and everyone else in Spain thinks Real Madrid will win and you can't really argue against either fact. I can't sit here now and say we definitely 100% win because you're playing against a quality team with quality players. And, yeah, you know, and, uh, the, the likes of... Eden Hazard and, and Gareth Bale, you look like they're going to be fifth to final and they don't even get a game. No. And they've got the likes of them on the bench, which is, which well, is quite... Bale, Bale is a very strange situation there. I don't, I'm not seeing a situation like that in any other country or any other team where, you know, how, how he's treated by them and how yeah. he seems to be happy to be treated up to a point. Obviously, you don't know what he's saying behind All the scenes. All free underground a week. Uh, well, yeah, that that's, that's obviously <laughs> going to help, isn't it? Like, you know what I mean? That's, You've got that to fall, like literally fall back on type of thing. You make a bed out of it after. (laughs) You know, he's happy to be there. You know, you get players who aren't happy to do that and want want to play. And he seems to be one of these that he's just got into the Spanish mindset and he's quite happy just to be there. Speaking Mm -hmm. of players off the bench, and we haven't mentioned it in this podcast, we've been so busy mentioning Jürgen Klopp and our event in Straban and obviously the cup final. Let's just all take a moment to speak of Divock Arini. It's going to be his last game for the play. He might not even get on the pitch. He I got a great reception. He's Sorry? I don't think he's, he's not fit. No, no well, ho- hopefully I, he is. I think but he, if he, might, he may well be on the bench, the bench, but I don't think he's going to be in a position to come on. To play. Well, the, recep- the, the reception he got at Anfield on, on, uh, on Sunday. You yeah, were there, yeah. Paul. Um, <laughs> he, he's gone from... like. As, as football fans, we all have these cult heroes over the years where you mentioned this player and that player. And it's like... You kind of laugh at them because they've done something, but they are—they're not really legends. But he was described, described as a Liverpool legend. He has scored 
some important goals through the years in Champions League against them. The last goal I see witnessed for Liverpool Football Club, myself, was at the derby and Origi scored and he come on and yeah. changed the game. In your thoughts, you know, in, in a couple of sentences, Paul, you know, what, what can you say about that man now that he's leaving Liverpool Football Club? Well, he's obviously, you know, he's, he's one of them players. He's done the right thing at the right time for us. He's scored goals against Everton. He scored incredibly memorable goals against Everton as well, not just goals against Everton, you know, the 96-minute one. Uh, the one the other week, obviously, when you think you're going for the league and you need to win and you get to the second goal and kills it. Obviously, in Madrid, he scored the second goal in Madrid, which is a fantastic finish. He's he's a player, you could sort of say, in similar ways, not obviously his playing style or what he does, but he's like Casey, you, you want him to do well. But when he got a run in the team, there's nothing coming from him. And then he goes back on the bench, then he comes off the bench and scores. Yeah, that game against Newcastle a couple of years ago. Yeah, at the end, you know, it's it's all things. He's one of them players who does memorable things. You know, you got your two Barcelona goals, obviously, especially the second one. It, it's just one of them things with him that he never really had an extended run in the team. If he did play a few games on the bounce, then you think he's he's not doing nothing. Hmm. He's not producing anything. So it's one of them things. And as you say, he's a legend basically because of who he scored against and the, the manner of the goals as well. Because that goal against Everton's in the fifth minute and we hold on to a 1-0 lead. It's not like it is in the 96 minutes. It's a totally different thing. Yeah, you know, You've know, got other derby winners. People have won derbies and they're not thought of in the same light as uh, you know, their kite, people like that. But you know, he puts in his 90 minutes of effort when he was playing. I'm not suggesting Divock doesn't. Yeah. But there's certainly times when you, know, you can imagine Divock sitting on a chair watching the game go past him and then suddenly bursting into life. And some games he didn't burst into life. So, yeah, that's he, a good way. Of I like him. You know, I, 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 sorry, it's a sensible way of putting it. You, you, you're you know, doing it really sensible way. Yeah, yeah, he's not. You know, he's not a legend in the terms of you know going back for years, the likes of Ian Callaghan, people like that. You, you know, as they say, the word legend gets bandied about too much. Hmm. Uh, he, he's certainly someone who will be in the history of Liverpool. As someone who's given me some great memories as well from watching him over the last five, six, even the goal against Dortmund as well in the uh, the four three. Yeah, four your favourite against Dortmund. That's yeah. another one that doesn't really get mentioned much. It's another crucial goal at the time, but then you go and make a mess of the final, so it doesn't get thought of. True, true, true. You know the Barcelona one, the, the winner against Barcelona precedes him scoring the second goal against Tottenham and winning the final. You yeah. score, you score the side. I used to hate it. You beat someone in the semi, and you go, Wow, we beat you in the semi. He says, Yeah, we got beaten in the final, so it doesn't matter. You may as well get knocked out in the third round. Yeah. Stop doing all the messing around trying to get tickets and that, which has been the last two weeks of my life. But. Oh, <laughs> so you've, you've, you've not, I mean, we, we both have tried, but you, you've, not, you've not got tickets, and it's been hard, Paul. No, it's uh, again, you know, it's not because of the club, because, you know, they look after us league games every season and the FA Cup and European home games and such like but uh, there's just not enough tickets to go around mm. basically yeah. and there's other obviously my dad's passed away five years ago so you can say should you still be contacting the former players association they obviously let us do it and they got us tickets for the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup semi-final and then just this one there's just not available mm. I spoke yeah, to I spoke to I spoke to some of the players who I'm in contact with by phone and my nephew's actually going. My nephew's going over there. He's already booked his ticket and flight and hotel. He's been trying to get a ticket. He probably still is now, even as we speak. But there's yeah. just nothing. There's nothing here. 
and people are paying people to touts. Let's let's speak about well, the people are charging the, ridiculous money, aren't they? Ridiculous money. This is this is another problem, you know. There's uh, tickets coming for sale, uh, and you, you're not 100 percent certain where they're coming from. But mm. in Liverpool, I know you know Liverpool, especially you know yourself and Danny. There's a lot of rumours. There's rumours that there's tickets coming from sources that they shouldn't be coming from. Mm. But you've got no proof of it. Like, so I've, you know, that's just something you could say that. It was like a few years ago, there was a story that uh, one of the former players' sons was selling tickets for Madrid. And the number of people who asked, asked me if it was me, it wasn't like. But if you put wow. something on Twitter or you say something, you've got to be careful what you say because everyone dives on it these days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's one of them things. We haven't been able to get one, but I never have a go at the club per se because we get the three tickets for every game, every yeah. season. So, you know, what can you do? Where will you be watching Paul? Well, actually, the, the, the tradition, I didn't go to Kiev. And I didn't go to Madrid for various reasons, but we go round to a friend's house about four o'clock on Saturday and get in the swing of things there. By the time they kick off at eight o'clock, you don't really care whether we're going to win or lose, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> You'll take a few scoops anyway. <laughs> so Real Madrid scored in that first, and you know, that suddenly sobered up. Oh, Christ. Like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> And then the, the, the manner of the goal as well. You know, that's another thing you can talk about for the final. Uh, not, we've got a chance this time because we've got a goalie. Mm. Yeah, well, that, that, let's not go there. No, memories. No. But just before we kind of end, um, score predictions, boys. So I, I'm going to be optimistic as I always am, Danny. And you know me. I think there's going to be goals in this match. Um, I know a lot of finals kind of cancel themselves out. But I just think with the, the talent on the pitch... And people just going for it. I'm going to go for two uh, one victories to Liverpool. So before we come to you, Paul, and give you the kind of final thought, what were your thoughts on the match, Danny? I, I'm probably similar to Paul. I think it's it's going to be tight, and I think the the skeptic in me says that we're, we're not going to see it done until extra time. And part of me thinks that it's going to go all the way to extra time. I don't think it'll maybe go as far as pens, but I think we'll maybe see. I think it's going to be one nil. I think Liverpool are going to win it one nil. And it's either going to be an extra time or in the ninety minutes, but I think it's going to be tight either way. So that's my thoughts on it. What about you? What about you, Paul? What are your What are your thoughts on on the score? Uh, I, I think we'll win one nil. I think we'll win a tight game one nil, and I literally wouldn't be bothered if it went to penalties again and we won on penalties after a nil nil because it would really wind everyone else up in the country. <laughs> if we won three cups without scoring a goal, that'd be fantastic. I'd I'd, I'd settle for that. Was you listening that, to the first part of Pod Paul? Because we were literally chatting about that. that, everyone that, that as well. no, I, I genuinely, I genuinely wasn't. <laughs> no, I, I'd, I'd be happy with nil nil after extra time and win on pens. It, it wouldn't bother me how we won. Well, there you go. We, we got it in a bag there. So hopefully, come um, next week when we have. Uh, Chris Kirkland and Neil Mell on the podcast. We will be European champions again for the seventh time. Paul, it's great to have you on. You, you, you're, you're a legend in your own right. You, you always speak so wisely. Um, and let's hope that we're all laughing and smiling and celebrating come Saturday night. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Sports Social Podcast Network.